0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of the Guyao Now Show. Today, I have Jeff Richards on, and we talk about uh, a, a very interesting conversation of are you building a lifestyle business versus a growth engine? What does it need to look like? And then some other factors that maybe you just haven't thought about in what you're doing and where you're going in your business. So I think it's a great conversation you're going to get a lot out of. Let's see what Jeff has to say. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of the Yao Now Show. I'm your host, Bob McIntosh. And today on this episode, we have Jeff Richards, who is a successful entrepreneur who's built a lot of companies and sold them. I won't steal his thunder because we're going to talk some about that. But as always, appreciate you tuning in, listening, watching, wherever you are, connecting with this information from. Appreciate having you here. And I'm excited to, uh, to chat with Jeff. It's not every day that we get to have someone who's uh, built massively successful companies and sold them. And I think it's something that a lot of times people don't think about, like what do we actually want to do and why do we want to do it? So we're going to dive into some of those questions. And uh, Jeff, thanks for being here, man. I appreciate having you.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Perfect. So for everyone who doesn't know who you are, um, which I would imagine is the large majority of my audience,
1: a little bit about
0: who you are, what you do, um, you know, what your background is so that we have some context.
1: So I am uh Jeff Richards. I am the managing partner of CIO Professional Services, which is an IT strategy consulting firm. And that and $4 will get you a cup of coffee these days. Um, so my background is I uh came out of school with a management science degree, got into running factories and was gauging my uh career growth by how big a factory and how big a staff I was managing. Um I I found that I was more interested in implementing systems to run those factories than I was in turning the crank on the factory and making the monthly numbers. Uh, So then I moved into the software business. And after my second software company I was with, I realized I'm product constrained. I got all the implementation projects I want, but I'm product constrained. So uh, I then went to, uh, uh, I was in Los Angeles at the time and, and I was big in the airspace and defense world. I had a top secret clearance and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, the preeminent uh, consulting firm in those days was Arthur Young, which then became Ernst Young, and then ultimately became Cap Gemini Ernst Young. Um, but I was I spent 15 years in there as a, as a as a line partner and staff partner. My last big staff job was as I ran the manufacturing, high tech, and automotive sectors for all of Europe, Middle East, and Africa. I had 5,000 fee earners that we could. Call into battle at any given time. So, um, and then so, uh,
0: I imagine sometimes it is a battle.
1: Well, well, it's always the noble opposition you're up against, right? You know. Right. Uh, but anyway, the um, the genesis was when Ernest Young sold his consulting firm to Cap Gemini. You know, I was part of the. You know, it was a four billion dollar business sold for eleven billion dollars of stocks, which looked great at the time. But anyway, uh, long story short. It, it it was a great match on paper and a, a year or two into that i left with two other ey partners and a senior manager to open up a small consulting firm you would have never heard of that no longer exists we ramped it up to about three and a half million dollars and sold it for a, an equivalent amount um and one guy retired one guy went up to bearing point and i went what the heck did we sell that for and and so after mm-hmm. a little time uh I gathered together a a few folks, and uh, we all wrote little earnest money checks and opened this company, CI Professional Services, twelve years ago. Now, the interesting thing in the consulting business is what you're selling when you sell that business. You talked about that earlier. All you, unless you're Gartner or somebody has some great intellectual property rights, all you're selling is your backlog under contract that you haven't burned down yet, right? So you're worth somewhere between 0.8 and 1.2 uh of uh current contracts that that haven't been fulfilled because unless you've got some brand or some real stickiness at a big client there's not much you're not selling anything else because you know the assets are are the people and and they you know go home at night and then they they vote with their feet so anyway long story short is we did well on that one i've been approached a couple times now to sell this place and we're we're really not interested so and the discussion you and I had at the outset of this is something I want to kind of put on the table for the get out of your own way people is that when you're thinking about going out on your own, if you have a, you know, a nice W-2 position, but you, you're kind of fed up with it, you're thinking about making the move, you have to ask yourself a real serious question is, are you just looking to make money? I mean, is, it, is this is this a lifestyle business? You want to be able to support your mortgage or your kids going to school or whatever this or do you want to build a business that is actually going to you know, withstand your departure or actually be a tangible asset that can be sold? Because both of them are noble uh, pursuits, but you need to understand what your objectives are at the outset because your behavior patterns will be different based on I'm trying to grow something, I'm trying to build something, or I'm trying to get to a comfortable uh, level of income that is sustainable that uh, that isn't going to kill me.
0: And so let me ask you this. In, in, in that realm of understanding, hey, what kind of business am I trying to build? I would imagine for most folks, they're just trying to figure out the money portion first. And so it might seem like it's a lifestyle business. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that you, know, you need to be going into it from the outset with this is I want A or B to be my ultimate outcome? Or is it, is it possible to change along the way and still have it, have it be <sighs> successful?
1: Well, you can always pivot one way or the other, but I think you need to understand it at the outset because if it's if it's I want to build a business and again if you need, you know, tangible physical assets or locations or whatever the case may be, you may have to take on debt, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, most people are going to go and kind of go into the lifestyle business aren't that prone and again I don't want to make that a, a negative connotation of a lifestyle business. It's it's perfectly uh uh, legitimate, but you know you got to be able to figure out. Well, do I do I need to take a bank loan against this? Am I going to max my credit cards out to get there? I'm going to get six credit cards and max all of them out to try to get this going. You know, what am I bootstrapping here, and what what is the intent that it's? You know, is there an exit strategy, or is it is it a revenue is a cash generator? What you know you you need to because your behaviors will be different. It doesn't mean that any. Strategy you started with has concrete poured around it, and it's it's ossified with rebar in it. You could you could still always uh, change your mind and, and pivot, but uh, again, it's you need to think about what your balance sheet is going to look like. I mean, so when I was in school, I eschewed accounting, being uh, counters, uh, blah blah blah. I you know you can't run a business without understanding basic accounting. Okay, so mm-hmm. if if you want to get out there and, and start a business. Make sure you understand basic accounting and and you know and debt management and those sorts of things as well as project management because it's basically a big project. So you need to have a real good understanding of project management, and those two things are applicable to anything you want to do.
0: hundred percent agree. Yeah, I, I know it's been interesting. I, I've. I have a basic understanding of accounting, but it's not not my forte, and it's not something I love doing. But you're right; it's it's critical to make sure you at the very least understand, so you can you know, know where where you're where you're going. Or um, well, let alone if you actually do
1: accrue some significant money, how do you know enough somebody's not helping themselves to it? Right? You know, you right. know, if you if you got a if you got a multi million dollar business and somebody's taking care of the coffers for you, you're not going to notice the rounding errors disappearing.
0: 100% 100% and you know i think i think that's important so let me ask you this in in you know the decisions that you make and the things that you're, you're thinking about, what have been some of the the struggles? So obviously, you know, when you, you built your company, like you said, you sold it for three and a half million dollars. So uh, si- sizable business, not huge by any means, but for many no. people who might be just getting started or on that journey, they're, they're going, man, that could be nice to have that. Um, was your intent to always build something to sell or was your intent to have that lifestyle and it just ended up being something you sold? We
1: really, you know, honestly, the first time we really didn't have a proper business plan. We were just knew we were kind of fed up with where we were and what we were doing. And we knew how to do what we did very well. So, um, you know, we just start out and lo and behold, it's actually people are buying it and, and we're making some real money. And, um, one of the fellows was older and, and was thinking about an exit. So, you know, we're like, okay, well, you know, the the, bar- the barrier to entry to my business is about as high as the curb, Right. So, <laughs> You know, it's easy to get in and out of it. It's also a boom and bust business if you're not careful. Um, you know, uh, for those of you that are anywhere from, you know, personal coaching to personal trainers to other other sorts of service oriented businesses, it's a boom and bust cycle frequently, and and particularly under the last you know nine months of what we're dealing with. Um, I really thought, uh, you know, what? So yeah, so. Dialing off tangent alert. We're going off on a tangent here. <laughs> um, so my business does not have a physical it if, if you Google our address, we're 555 bryan Street, California, but that's a mailbox about this big with a keyhole in it in a UPS store, right? Same here. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I always was of the mindset that you don't make any money in your own offices, you make your money in the client's offices. And now we haven't been in a client's office in nine, 10 months. Um, and I thought, holy mackerel how's this gonna work? It's worked just fine. Now the decision-making process has gotten about twice as long as it used to be, and people are jealously guarding their cash piles, which they should because they're not sure if there's more coming. Um, but we're still selling, delivering, you know, closing out engagements at places we've never been because it is people we know. So um, we can come back from that tangent now. What? <laughs> what? What other questions might you have?
0: Um, well, okay, so so. Let's dive into this. You know, you 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 and a couple of buddies decide, hey, we're fed up. We're we're gonna go start our own thing. You know what? What was the mindset that you had to adopt, or you know, what advice do you give to someone who might be in the same position like, to to build up to three and a half million dollars? Because, like I said, I I think a good chunk of my audience right now that is watching and listening probably hasn't reached that pinnacle of of three million. Maybe for a lot of them, maybe not even a million dollars a year yet. Um, and so they're they're looking at going, man, like. That, that could be a, a great goal to achieve and so what is what's the mindset you've had to adopt to get there
1: well for starters you you got to have a little bit of a war chest to get started into this and it's um cuz it in and it all of you no matter what business you're in is it's going to be lean to get started then you're gonna get a couple of clients and it's gonna be great, but then they're gonna dry up. So you're gonna go through this roller coaster of of boom and bust for a while, and particularly in the consulting business, because it's all project-based. There isn't really any knock-on revenues. There's no there's no annuities in my business. Um, so you make a whole lot of money and you come out the backside and you burn it all down while you're trying to find the next one when you know, when you're a sole practitioner. So we gathered ourselves together, you know, there's uh, uh 17 of us at the moment. Um, and basically it was, it was to dampen the oscillations that somebody was still always out there hunting while other people are delivering and billing hours. Right. Um, but you know, the, this, I refer to my wise old daddy on a regular basis. Um, Mm -hmm. one of the things he taught me was you can't go broke sharing profits, right? You know, investments are one thing, but you know, if there's, if there's money available, um, share it out with the team, motivate your people is the biggest thing is, and if you're just by yourself, you know, who, who's the, who's your supplier, who's the, who's the people you can cut a break to. Um, because at the end of the day, all buying decisions are made on personal pain points and all buying decisions are made on personal relationships. It doesn't matter that the, uh, you know, the, the, the. VP of IT at, at major tech company down the street from me has, you know, the company has an issue. That person has, has KPIs that are going to drive their bonus. And if you know what those are and you work those issues, you'll be meeting the company objectives because you're going to meeting that individual's objective. So um, again, another long roundabout tangent alert was just that if you've got, you know, everybody else eats first, you, you know, the owner, the entrepreneur eats mm-hmm. last, right? You got to take, cause the, all your business, no matter what business you're in is based on relationship management. And for those people that are newer in, in the business, you know, LinkedIn is Facebook for old people, but, um, manage your networks religiously, fervently, you know, feverishly and shamelessly network with people because everybody is somebody's somebody.
0: Perfect. And now when you say manage your network, what does that look like for you?
1: Um, so I figure I've got about twenty five hundred LinkedIn connections. Some most of them I know who they are. I mean, again, I was I ran Asia Pacific for a few years for EY's consulting. I ran a lot of Europe, Middle East and Africa. I was I ran a lot of the big tech sector clients. Um so I've I've got a fairly good global network. Out of that 2,300, 2,400 LinkedIn connections. I imagine 700 of them or so would return the call within 24 hours, you know, and, and, then, and there's another 700, I haven't a clue who they are, you know, <laughs> and then so then it's, then it's a question of the the people in the middle, but again, you know, always look to make somebody else money before you ask them to make you money, right? You know, people will be happy to help you do things. You know, so this is one of my. Yeah, I, I tell this to all the new people that join us because most of our folks are um, former chief information officers, chief security officers, chief technology officers that have come out of industry that don't really, you know, that are, don't really have a consulting vent, but they've got so much IP in their heads, they're, they're value, right? Right. Um, so, but, you know, one of the things we teach them when they get here is this is the elevator pitch, this is what we do, this is how we do some of these things. And, work your way through your network with a request, would you listen to my pitch and tell me what's wrong with it? So if there's a new entrepreneur who's got, you know, the better mousetrap or whatever else we want to talk about, you know, everybody you know will take a call to hear your pitch to help you vet that, critique it, what's working, what's not working, what's stupid, what's excellent, you know. But if you call them say, Hey, let me tell you, I'm selling new mousetraps. Would you like to how about never? Is never good for you? And everybody you know will take a call to help you. So as you work your way through that, hmm. you know, about a quarter of the time it's actually going to stick. They're actually going to want some of what you're talking about. But at the end of it, you need to ask them who in your, you know, Bob McIntosh's network do you know that should hear this pitch that it might actually be interested? And so I'm now prospect prospecting my network, Bob. For his network, who I don't have for leads, you'd be amazed how much work comes out that way. Because again, I'm going to, you know, Bob says call Bill. I call Bill, and Bob sent me, and Bill calls Bob. says Did you send Jeff? And he says Yeah, actually, I did. You probably should talk to him. Okay, great. That's how it works out there for those that are, that are younger or getting started in this business. That's really how it works. There is a who you know, not what you know, aspect of this.
0: hundred um, percent. I. I I remember the, the first time I ever uh, learned the lesson of it's who you know, not what you know or what you've done was uh, I was in high school and uh, there was this like program where you got to go work with management at this, this bigger company in, in the area, uh, part of part of the week. And it was like, man, this would look great on like the resume for like colleges and things like that. And, um, even though I was probably. M- more well qualified than the majority of the folks that got in every single person who got into that program had a parent that worked at the company and I was like oh well that's interesting uh-huh.
1: <laughs> there's a <laughs> life know? lesson early on right right
0: and it's just like man that you know and, and, but it, you're you're right and I, I love i love that so asking when you're processing, because maybe they, maybe they're not interested right now, but everyone loves to help. Or not, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of folks love to help out. They're like, Oh man, yeah, this would be good. But I don't think anybody ever asked that question of like, who do, who do who do I need to to know from your network?
1: Yeah. It's the last question you should ask when you're, when you're giving somebody the demo pitch, because you'll get to rehearse, you'll get to refine the, the discussion. And, and, you know, the people who know you will go, Hey, look, this isn't you, this isn't, you know, this isn't the you I know. So What, what, what are you doing here? Right. So, you know, any criticism is valuable, whether it's, you know, harsh or patting you on the back, it's something to take in.
0: And so when you, when you ask these people to, you know, for a referral of who else needs to hear this, do you, do you, uh, do you usually get a, a warm introduction? Like, Hey, would you introduce me or do they just give you the information and then you reach out or what have you found works best?
1: um, what I found works best is make it as easy as possible on the person that you're talking to. So it's like, Hey, can Bob, can you give me bills, uh, contact info? You got his number and his email or, you know, his address or whatever the case may be. And, and, and you take it, you know, I mean, I, so we're pretty well connected bunch. And again, we, we're, Big on on shamelessly networking and helping other people out because it, you know we're big believers in karma. Our business is a long term relationship play. We're doing favors for people who may never become clients or won't become clients for years, and people that haven't paid us a dime in years are still getting favors because they're going to you know end up somewhere. But long story short was I you know the chief information officer position is pretty dynamic. Most people last three or four years before they're either moving on because most of them report to CFOs, there's a new CFO, they bring in their person or whatever the case may be. I am constantly networking people in my field to recruiters and recruiters like to come to us because they know, we know a lot of people. And then I'm also, you know, one of my people who, you know, about a third of our folks at any given time are looking for a W2 position anyway. We like to help them. So one of my, folks who is who's on our roster actually doing consulting work for us right now would rather have a W2 position than be in the consulting business. And uh one of our prospects um decided not to go forward. And I said, but okay, but this person is looking for a job. Here's his C V, here's his contact details, no obligation. Talk to him because now that we know you we think he's a good fit. You right. know, whether he goes and gets a job or not it's another story. But I mean you know, there's nothing in it for me other than goodwill, or the company other than goodwill. But you know that that stuff will will pay in the long term. And that you you know, I do believe in karma or whatever you want to call it. What goes around comes around.
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent. And look, like you 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 do them that favor, and and it might it might be years before it comes back, and might never come back. But I think either way, you know, you've done the right thing. Um, and I think that's more important. Sometimes it's just knowing, hey, this this has been done the right way, so I can sleep better. Yeah, you sleep better. Yeah, perfect. Um, so you know w- when you were when you were growing this company and you're build you're building it out and you're saying, okay, look, we're we're gonna we're gonna get there. Um, did you have the intention of selling it, um, to, to start with? Like, was that something that you always wanted to do, or even with your current company now that you're doing? Um, and if so, is that something that people need to be thinking about as they're building? Um, or you know, it, it, does it change? Does it change the direction and decisions you make if you're trying to build something to sell versus you know keep or pass to a family member or whatever it might be your 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 goal is? Well, yes and no, and the real the real no is that you need
1: to build something that's viable and and has you know sustainability is the overused word these days. But something that's gonna that's 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 viable and will continue. My objective with this current iteration was that it would continue. You know, without me, I, I can, you know, I, I've got a couple of parents and, you know, I'm, I've still got two kids in college, so I'm not, I'm not retiring anytime soon, but five <laughs> years from now, I'd like to be out of this business and have this business just go on, you know, continue on without me. So, um, it, it and maybe there's an ego thing there, but, you know, uh, as, as my wise old daddy once said is they don't, you know, the company isn't, isn't your family. They're going to forget you the minute you're gone. So you know, don't don't sacrifice too much uh, uh, of the family time. But, um, uh, but but whether you you build it to sell it or build it to sustain it, it's it's got to be a viable business, and it's gotta it's gotta make sense. Because if it doesn't, it's not an asset to be sold, and and if it if it doesn't, then the minute you you quit, uh, you know, pumping the bilge, it's going to sink.
0: Makes sense, makes sense. And so, what what did it, you know? when you were, you were building this company and you're saying, okay, look, we're going to leave. We're going to go do this, uh, do this thing. You know, w- was there, you know, fear, any hesitation? Was it just like, I know I'm going to do this and we're going to be successful. Like what was that initial journey for you from, from leaving when you were fed up to getting this thing going?
1: Oh uh, yeah, there were some lean times. I mean, it was, uh, you know, luckily I had a, a little pile of money already, but you know, it, it was burning down, and and you know, a couple of years into this, you know, there's there's been you know, clients that uh, we had a our biggest client in 2014 entered bankruptcy proceedings. It, actually they didn't actually they they filed a Chapter 11, but I wanted it to a Chapter 7. It was a reorg. Anyway, long story short is suddenly they're offering us 10 cents on the dollar on you know half a million dollars of receivables, and I'm like, no, not even no, but hell no, and we had to fight it <laughs> fight it out with them for four or five months and I finally got into eighty seven and a half percent and 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 talked to the team because we we're a we're a um, you know an open book open book uh, business. So everybody in our company, you know, they're getting paid based on what the co- the client I mean they're not getting payroll per se, they're getting a cut of the project revenue right? So, and I'm like, okay, guys, if we have to settle for this, you know, are you okay with settling for eighty-seven and a half percent instead of pursuing the hundred? And by the way, the $6,000 worth of legal fees are coming off the top of this. And we're, we're all going to pay that too. Right and they're like, Yeah. Yeah. This is fine. So, um, so yeah, it, there's going to be scary times, you know, when you're working without a net, you know, it's always going to be scary, but you know, it's honestly, um, I, and it, I think most people are this way. You're, you're, as a type A, you're better off at 120% loaded than you are at 80% loaded. So it's more exciting to get up and play when all the chips are on the table all the time, mm-hmm. right? You've you got to be at the top of your game on a regular basis. You know, you, Sure, you can have an off day now and then, but um, if, you, if you misnegotiate a deal because you weren't paying attention, then that could have long-term ramifications.
0: Totally get it. So I'm curious, you mentioned something that, you know, your business operates on an open book business standpoint. So does everybody know what's going on? Like even from like a financial standpoint, because that's very interesting, oh, yeah. you know?
1: Oh, yeah. So, and then again, so this is a professional services business. So it's right. not like, you know, I have, I, I don't really have a cost of goods sold. You know what okay. I mean? I, I've okay. got, I've you know um, so when we're bidding a project, um, the team that is, that is on that project sees, you know, the, and we've got a, a spreadsheet that everybody shares. Of okay, this is the hours. This is the pro. This is the deliverable. This is what we got to get done. These are the hours you're going to get. These are the hours he's going to get. And at the end of the day, that's how much money they're going to get. That's how much money you're going to get. That's how much money I'm going to get. And um, do you, are you up for that? And they yes or no. And if no, then we'll put somebody else in. But we'll never make somebody take an assignment. But they they all have the option. But everybody in here knows what everybody makes. You know, it's just because again, all of my people are at least 25 year veterans. I mean, it, it is too, it is, it would be silly for me to chisel, you know, somebody for another 15 bucks an hour in my pocket and, or pay it to somebody else as a premium. It's like, no, that's, it's, you know, it's a, it ain't fair. And B, it's just why waste your money, your effort and the limited brain cells you have to apply to these things to, to trivial items like that. You know, it's, it's you know, you, 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 gotta get the big thing on the, on, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta drag in the woolly mammoths before you start skinning and eating it. Right. So, <laughs> um, so that's the, that's, you know, and everybody's gotta be motivated. So
0: like I said, as the. You find I, that that increases motivation. Does that like help people feel more cohesive as a team?
1: Well, it does. And it also, they, I mean, again, since a lot of these folks aren't professional consultants, um, it's unusual for them to see, you know, the cash flow and and the uh, and and how much profitability the company makes and, and what we reinvested in. And so, um, it's just there, there's a greater degree of trust when when it's when it's 100 transparent. You know.
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I would imagine so. That's interesting. I've never. I've never... I've never seen it seen it that way. Um, and I, again, no, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't most, most people don't do that. Okay, but
1: yeah, and, and we pay our people better. Uh, the company takes a smaller bite, and we pay big in sales commission because nothing happens till somebody sells something. So, as an entrepreneur, your best salesperson should be the highest paid person in the company, not the CEO. You know, nothing. You got to move this product, whatever or service. And until you've got people buying this, you got nothing. Right. And because and so, you know, you hear a lot of all salespeople are coin operated or, you know, it's kind of denigrating that sales is an unworthy position. No, nothing happens till somebody sells something. Uh,
0: I fully, fully agree. So when when. In your, in your company structure, in terms of, I mean, that structure is not the right word for it, but in, in terms of building a cohesive team, you know, is there is there been anything you've found um, that you've done differently or, or unique in, in helping that? Uh, because and the reason that I asked that question is you said a lot of a lot of people on your team are are 25 year veterans and sometimes when you, when you find a company of of that nature with people coming in that way there's there's ego that comes along with that and that ego can actually end up derailing a business so I'm curious what you've done to either handle that or is it just people you've chosen and that's not been an issue well i think i
1: mean we could be a whole lot bigger if if we weren't so anal about qa and so when somebody's introing somebody as the potential uh you know, associate for us. Uh, the first question is Is this person going to carry their end of the log? If you guys are up against the deadline, and, you know, is this person going to have you eating conference room pizza at 10 p.m. on a Friday night because you guys are running late because they didn't get it done? Or is this person going to, you know, bring it in early? You know, you, you, you put it on them from the standpoint of is this the person you want to be in the foxhole with in heavy combat? You know and, and if if they if they if you want them on your flank then that's fine and then, then that, that's good enough for me but like uh, all of our crew have uh incredible uh resumes and and histories and so you know we don't we i honestly we've never really had an ego problem because everybody's heavy hitters and everybody knows everybody's heavy hitters so you know you, you you wouldn't be riding this ride if you weren't legitimate so <laughs>
0: it's
1: kind of the, you know so there, there really hasn't been much of an issue
0: that's good that's good and i you know i i i was wondering about that just you know in in my own experience of of working in companies and, and i used to work for a, a professional services firm back back and before i started my own journey I just kind of on a different direction but we did a lot of ethical hacking and things like that mm-hmm. um but uh you know i i I've, I've found at least in my experience in in the professional services world sometimes there is a lot of ego that comes in so oh yeah um, you know and and that can be can be a difficult thing to handle especially starting a company and bringing those kinds of folks in
1: well yes there is particularly you know so again i was an E&Y consulting partner for years um accenture deloitte all the other competitors the partners are powerful princes in their little fiefdoms and yes there were mm-hmm. huge egos in there and there was you know, an internal competition that was uh, unhealthy, and 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 some some organizations, not EY, uh, had a had a constructive confrontation sort of uh, mode of operation, which is like, oh, that means it's okay to be a bozo, you know, you know. Right. It, 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 but uh, you know, life's too short to work with those people. Okay, you know, you're you're you're. It is it is a fleeting instant. You know, so work with people you. I mean, don't work with people that are just like you. I mean, so, um, when we founded this organization, uh, there was six of us originally that that wrote the earnest money checks one, you know, two retired, one went to the competition, one went into industry and one we fired for malfeasance. But, um, the two, the last three, myself and the other two were an excellent blend because, I am I am the risk taker. The other guy was the most risk averse person. And the third person was our was technically our our CFO. And so he was the moderating force between me wanting to go do something crazy and the other guy going, I'm not going outside. You know. <laughs> so, I was like, so, you know, the the third guy kind of, you know, kept us. So do not surround yourself with people just like you. You need a counterbalance, you know. Um the uh, the Abraham Lincoln cabinet, you know, cabinet of rivals, uh, is a good example of of surround yourself with people who are different or think differently, um, because you you don't want to be in an echo chamber. You need people to call you out once in a while, like you know that's that ain't gonna work or that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. You know, it's like, oh really? Yeah, explain that. Oh, oh, I guess you're making sense. I guess I did forget that part. You know, so yeah, <laughs> make sure you got uh, some critical advice besides your wife or husband, you know,
0: (laughs) makes sense. And so how, how, how have you structured getting that feedback, um, you know, from someone and, and maybe even more importantly, you know, how, how do you, how do you receive said feedback from someone who's got such completely different values and ideals?
1: Well, uh, so again, relative to the, the bigger business. It's what is, you know, when you're small, you have to brand yourself as something. So we're business IT alignment, intermittent fractional executives, cybersecurity, and project rescue, right? You know, across the, you know, the several hundred years of experience we've got in the team, there isn't anything we couldn't do, but we, we could do anything isn't plausible as a branding strategy when you're 17, <laughs> 20 people. Right. So, you know, Figured out what your offerings are, there's that aspect, because you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to focus. You gotta you, you can't do everything. You gotta focus on something. So having other people look at, you know, what is the offer? What are we offering? Who else does it? Why are we better? How do we make money? You know, all those basic, you know, uh, marketing requirements documents, sort of thing, business plan sorts of things, you know, other points of view. And commenting on those things is useful to get that input when they're like, I don't think, it, you know, you're not solving the real problem. The real problem is X. And you're like, oh, you know, I hadn't thought about it that way, but you're right, you know. So, you know, getting that input. And then, then now to the operational side of it, we are a project-based business. And, you know, they're a lot of our work is what we call same as, except, I mean, we've done something like this before, but not quite like this, but what we used here could probably work for some of it. And then we got to make the rest of it up. Um, You know, a lot of people can bring different things to the approach because in, in our business, you know, being able to, you know, the end of the day, the, the estimating heuristic is, is how many hours times the billable hour rate uh and how much? that's how long that's how that's what we're going to charge for this um and sometimes the number comes up too high it's like okay what's the better way to do that sort of thing so Mm -hmm. you know getting people you know so we're not just doing the same thing over and over again you know we we have to refine your approaches and refine your product constantly right kind of like what we talked about earlier when we're talking about are you going to have a a a lifestyle business are you going to build a business that's a growth engine you can't get to some level and and decide. Oh, I'm good here. I'm going to stay here. It's not going to work that way. You're either going to shrink, or you're going to increase, or you're going to pivot to do something else. But you can't get to some place and stay there.
0: Interesting. Um, hmm, okay. Uh, so, so when you're when you're talking, I, I actually I want to dive into that a little bit more. So you're either growing, or you're shrinking, or, or you're pivoting. Um, at a, at a certain point, why can't someone just say, "Hey, like this, this we're, we're good here"? I mean, obviously, in a professional services, like you said, they're, they're going to be there's going to be clients that leave, so you have to kind of constantly be churning uh, right. in a, a certain context. Um, you know, if, if someone well, someone to get to that, that point where they with, wanted,
1: yeah, if you're at a product business, and I've got you know, um, you know, I've I've got the the southeastern U.S. market cornered, and I'm delivering you know the best widget. To the grocery industry you've ever seen. Well, somebody's gonna be looking at that going, hey, they're making money with that over there. Somebody's gonna try and eat your lunch, right? right. So right. you can't have a, a static product, you know. You can't you can't be Encyclopedia Britannica. Does anybody buy those anymore? You know, you know, <laughs> when's the last time somebody bought a Merriam Webster dictionary? When's the last time somebody bought a paper calendar? You know? The buggy whip business isn't around anymore because nobody's driving buggies. So you know, businesses are gonna change around you. If you're making decent money, somebody else is going to notice that, and they're going to want some of that. And thirdly, industries may change, and what you're offering may no longer be required, or may not be required in that manner. So, you've got it. You've got to constantly be tuning. So, um, and if you've got clients, clients come and go. Clients get bought by somebody. Oh, well, they already have a relationship with our competitor, and so we just got pushed out. Mm-hmm. Or clients, you know we've, we've seen a lot of, you know, imagine being in the commercial real estate business these days or, or the, the incredibly hard pressed restaurant business,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, or if it was in the restaurant supply business, you know, or I, you know, um, you know, I've got a lot of friends in our ag up, up on the North side of San Francisco. And, you know, one guy's, you know, in olive oil, I was like, well, with well, the restaurant, should, we're not moving near as much olive oil as we used to. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. You know, Things will happen that are beyond your control, but you have to be able to respond to those things. So it's better to anticipate and be proactive than get caught and have to react. I mean, and so another tangent alert, errors of commission are preferred over errors of omission from the standpoint of do something and have it not quite be right as opposed to doing nothing, right? Mm -hmm. If, If you don't cannibalize your product or service, somebody else is going to so you might as well do it first
0: right no i think that's that's good that's good okay that that makes a lot of sense and and like i said i I wanted to dive in that because i think some people might have been thinking in their heads hey like wait why 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 is that the case and i think it's always important to, to dive into those details Awesome. Well, uh, Jeff, this has been a enlightening conversation. I think we could probably talk for much longer. Um, but I want to be respectful of your time and our listeners time. So, uh, I think we'll wrap it up here. If people want to connect with you or check you out or, 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 you know, anything of that nature, where can they find you? www.ciops.com is the website.
1: Um, we're all there. Um, Jeff Richards on LinkedIn. Unfortunately it is a very common name. The other Jeff Richards in the Silicon Valley is golden gate ventures. Uh, and we frequently get each other's stuff. Um, (laughs) There was a a Philadelphia disc jockey by that name, and there was a grade B uh, actor and baseball player by this name. So it's – anyway, Jeff Richards, uh, Palo Alto,
0: um, easy to find.
1: Jay Richards at CIOPS.com.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. It's funny. Um, there's a, there's a Bob McIntosh who was killed, uh, by a, by being beaten to death at a party for trying to break up a a party at his, his neighbor's house. And then they made a lifetime movie out of it. And so, (laughs) so it's funny, like I've worked very, very hard for a number of years to try to outrank that, but it's like, Oh man, like you gotta be kidding me like this. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I get it. Perfect. Well, uh, everyone, if you're watching or listening, definitely go check out Jeff. Um, you know, very very different guests than we, I would say, normally have on here. But I think bringing in different perspectives and different um, companies and, and just completely different things helps us grow in whatever we're doing. So make sure you go check them out for sure. And as always, make sure you please rate, review, and subscribe to this show, podcast, uh, YouTube channel, wherever you're con- uh, consuming this content from. Um, what happens is your subscription rating and review help the algorithms push it out further and we can't help more people unless you help us. So appreciate you guys doing that. And as always, if you have questions or you want to check out anything, there'll be links in the show notes, check those out, but we'll catch you on another episode real soon. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is sponsored by Three Degrees Consulting. If you need funnels, websites, paid ads management, or help with any of your digital marketing, Three Degrees Consulting is your go to source for everything. Check them out at www.go3dc.com. That's G O, the number three. D is in degrees, C is in consulting.com. Go check them out right now.